1: Dan Murphy joining me today. As always, is Mr.
0: Joe Braid. Joe, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. All, all Christmased out now and ready to get back mm-hmm. into the swing of things with with City. Now they're back underway. Mm-hmm. What did Santa Claus bring you? Anything good? Do you know what he bought me a PlayStation Five. So Santa's
1: done very well. Oh, not so <laughs> bad. Christmas. He's rolling it. He? He's rolling it. I got an air fryer and it's it's sad how <laughs> uh, how buzzed I am. You know, at the big age of twenty six, and now I'm buzzing about the ways to cook food, but. That is growing up for you, isn't it? And also with us today, back after a little bit of hiatus, is of course Mr. Simon Bukowski. Sai, how
2: is it going? Nice to see you, pal. I was alright until you reminded me how young you are. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I don't feel it, I don't feel oh, it. I know, joining the adults with
1: an air fryer, eh? Nah, it's good, it's good. And what did Santa bring you, my mates? Uh,
2: very little. Oh, very little indeed, no no one gets you anything when you've had kids
1: <laughs> well I'm sure the, I'm sure the little ones enjoyed it anyway I'm sure they got absolutely the laws didn't they but I'll tell you who did get a nice little belated Christmas present it was Manchester City supporters because the Blues got back into the swing of things as Joe says in the Premier League with a pretty comfortable 3-1 victory over Leeds United on uh, what oh man, all the days just blend into one what day are we on Thursday so it was on Wednesday it's this period it, it's all an absolute massive but City absolutely weren't they dominated most of the match against Leeds and should have been well ahead before Rodri finally did put them in the lead just on the edge of half time and then an Erling Haaland double and did did you know actually lads did you know that Erling Haaland was born in Leeds because I've actually never heard that (laughs) fact before and and, but he he, he returned to the City of his birth with an absolute vengeance to put City a 3-0 lead before Leeds defender a name I'm going to go with Strout because that's what the the commentator said. And I don't think that's right, but I'm going to go with it. Scored a late consolation from a corner. But, Sai, you were back. You were watching City in action. How did they do?
2: Happy to be back watching the footy? Uh, well, from, from what I could see of the pitch, yeah, it was uh, not the best view, <laughs> but there we go. Um, Yeah, it was good. It felt a bit like a pre-season game. It was a bit sort of everyone finding each other again. Um. City were pretty rusty to start with and De Bruyne was a bit off, but they soon found found their touch. Um, Leeds kind of did very well to keep making City lose possession, but then were really terrible whenever they won back possession, just gave it straight back to City. So um, that helped City, they missed a load of chances, then Rodri scored made make things easier for them. And then... Uh, the Leeds mix up at the back made it very easy for the City so yeah they would be disappointed to concede I think but and a few things to work on but for a first league game back 3-1 at Leeds is a is a very good result.
1: Joe what did you make of the
0: display? I thought it was going to be one of those sort of typical City performances where they dominated and missed loads of chances and and then the opposition would come and get back into it and it was one of those sort of games and, and atmospheres where it looked like if Leeds got a goal, then City might struggle. But I think that goal on, on the stroke of half-time was really, really important for City, especially just after Jack really had missed a, an absolute sitter. Um, and then, yeah, if you score just before half-time and just after half-time, then that's that's very useful. And, and that's what City did. They, they probably weren't at their best in front of goal They maybe let Leeds have a couple of chances in the second half, but they were clinical when they needed to be, not all the way through the game, but when they needed to be. And that's what they're going to need to do in, in this sort of period where there's lots of games, lots of big games, lots of difficult games, and they're not going to be able to play well for, for 90 minutes in each of them, but if they can just sort of take the chances and... I mean, you look at Erling Haaland, he didn't really do much, but he still scored two goals. We say that all the time, but it, it was quite sort of striking at Leeds that he really didn't get involved in the game. And he still comes away with two goals and, and sets a Premier League record. So I think I think that's what City's next few weeks is going to look like. Maybe not playing the best at all times, but doing enough and, and being clinical when when they need to be.
1: Well, you've both touched on Jack Grealish there, and I think that is the place to start because, say, si, as you say in your player ratings, how do you kind of sum up that performance? And as you said, um, with difficulty in the first half, it looked like it just wasn't happening for him. Two, um, well, two sitters, but one absolute shocker when the ball was put on a plate for him and he somehow conspired to spoon it over the bar and him and I think, I can't quite recall who was in the box with him but at least two or three City players fell to the knees in despair including Grealish with the miss it was certainly not his finest hour but he um, he recovered from it well in the second half, he won the ball back and put it on a plate for Haaland to tap in the second and he also set up Haaland for the third goal as well, Um, I thought it was a bit of a surprise that he was actually in the starting 11 to begin with but um. I'm going to go with a net positive in the end. I'd imagine Guardiola would be more happy with him with his work that he did in the second half than he would be disappointed in his misses.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, it's very difficult with Grealish because a lot of the time with Guardiola, you say, oh, he needs more goals and assists, on not he? And, and Guardiola says, no, absolutely not. Um, he's not in the team for goals or assists, which he, he kind of has a point. But then it's when he starts playing well, when Guardiola then says, oh, yeah, well, he, he does need goals and assists, actually, because you do. Um, so, it was one of them. He's he played much better. Probably He's probably played five, ten games better than that this season and not got um, goals or assists. Um, pretty astonishing that there is first assists of the season for City um, so far in. But you, you, you take what you can. I thought he could have shot both times, to be honest. Um, but it's not a bad tactic to pass the ball to Erling Haaland, even if he isn't running, um, as Joe said. So, uh, yeah, it, it's just so hard to 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 sum up. Like, he does give City control of the play with what he does, but he wasn't really threatening in the first half. And he won a lot of free kicks for City, but that was more Leeds being silly kicking him high up the pitch rather than sort of winning free kicks in dangerous areas or anything. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I'd go along with you with a net positive, but it's just like, it. it, it in part, it's silly that we, we say, oh, he got two assists, so he, he's done well. Um, but sometimes it is just as, as simple as that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, but I do think it's more, I think the way he won the ball back, Joe, for that first goal was quite kind of proactive for him. And for him to, it's quite clear that that's kind of a Guardiola prerogative, I don't think he was kind of springing counter-attacks by winning the ball back with aggressive pressing, much at Villa, it was obviously a bit more, I'll stay out here and I'll be the talisman, you give me the ball and I'll make magic happen obviously there's been a lot of adapting he's had to do at City, he's not the the big fish in the small pond anymore, he's now cog in a machine, which of course has kind of taken away his bit of um. you know, we don't see that spark of ingenuity he has as much anymore, but if he can start being more effective like this um, in the machine, it's certainly going to bode well for his kind of reputation because it's not his fault that he cost £100 million, it was the release clause, but it's certainly kind of an albatross around his neck now that no matter what he does, you know, he misses shots like that, everyone's going to immediately go, bloody hell, there's a £100 million pound footballer missing a shot like that. You know, anyone could miss it, it's not a great shame, but it's some, It's an easy stick to beat Grealish with and the way to kind of beat back any sort of criticism like that. And I'm sure again, I'm sure he's not bothered because Guardiola praises him and that's all that's the only person he needs to impress really. But if he you know getting the assists, getting the goal contributions is what's
0: going to kind of shine his season and his time at City in a much better light. Yeah, it's weird I've been saying sort of all season he's been playing really well. He's been probably doing exactly what Guardiola asks of him. And at some point the goals will come, but then a chance like that third one in the first half comes along and you think, well, if he's shooting like that, then they might not come. But then he gets a chance in, in the second half. And like you say, it was proactive. He probably normally waits for the ball to come to him and he plays an important role in slowing the team down. And Guardiola touched on that afterwards and said him and Mahers in on either wing might be a bit slower, but it does give city sort of the control against these sort of teams that that city need and I was looking at it start city have won all nine games that he's played in in the Premier League this season and unbeaten in the last twenty six in the Premier League that he's he's played in so that could just be chance because i don't I don't know I've not looked closely at what what teams have played, but it also means that he's clearly doing something right and and tactically. He wouldn't be playing in those games if, if he wasn't doing what Guardiola wanted. But yeah, like you say, some of those chances weren't his finest moments. And then you think he's through on goal, he's he's anticipated that danger, he's done really well, perfect, he can have a shot, get, score your way back in form, and then he passes it. I think it was the right thing to do. I, I know there's a lot of criticism of him uh, maybe after the game, but He's got. He's waited for Haaland. He knows Haaland's in a better position. City have scored so many goals, haven't they? Of of passing, even if a shots on, and and that'll probably please Guardiola as well. Even if Guardiola did say after the game that he does need to shoot more and and be a bit more confident, but that that'll come. And you can understand why he wouldn't necessarily be confident after missing three fairly decent chances. So to get two goals, get his uh, to, to get two assists, start uh, as Simon says, get those two first two assists of the season. Um, you would sense that after that he'll be a bit more confident coming up, but um, no, I, th- I think there was quotes from Rodri, and he said the City players demand that he will, he does need to score more goals, and Guardiola said the same. So maybe this can be a launch pad, Who knows?
1: Well, all I'll, I'll mm. the thing I want, the other thing I do know is that if he had a shot there and missed instead of passing to Haaland, yeah. man, I don't, I don't think he'd uh, still be breathing <laughs> with complete uh, normality today. That's for sure. But you know, while, while Grealish was kind of the. Um, the divisive figure and the standout with his actions in the attacking half of the pitch. Um, the man of the match, it seems, or at least one of the best players on it, well, of course, was Rico Lewis. I know it seemed a bit of a surprise that he started again, second successive start. Um, as I said, I thought it was a bit surprising. Grealish actually started instead of Foden, and then Walker, Cancelo and Bernardo were all left out as well. But Rico Lewis, he starts again, and uh, me and Joe touched on it plenty in recent podcasts without you, so now it's your turn to wax lyrical on the lad. It's, it's
2: remarkable what he's doing at such a young age. Yes, yes, it is. Um, it certainly seemed a bit like Guardiola was giving him uh, a bit of sort of fluff before the game by saying, oh, he was unplayable. It would have been, you know, I, I couldn't drop him after that Liverpool game. Um, I feel like Guardiola is cautious with his players coming back from international duty and he's been more cautious with, you know Walker and Cancelo and everyone than he was, uh, than than most other managers. You know Kane started on Boxing Day and um, like Varane played for United and he was in the final. So like City ha- are being more cautious, but Guardiola's done it before and it's worked for him. Um, Lewis certainly wasn't ex- expecting to start against um, against Leeds. He just got told on the day and he was like, right, okay, here we go. But you just surprised by by what he's pulling off like right back is one of the hardest positions to play in a guardiola system defensive midfielder is one of the hardest positions to play he l- made both look easy um which for the, the tactical knowledge for an 18 year old but then also you know he's losing the ball and he's putting in crunching challenges in a packed ellen road to win it back and you just like you know fair play to you um uh, we you know we, we spoke to him afterwards as well and it cuz he was the one who put the put it on a plate for Grealish. and we said you know did you did you give him any for for not uh you know not giving you an assist basically and and he was he he's such a, a shy quiet lad but he was like well yeah he, he sort of said that i gave him a bobbly pass but you know he 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 should have scored so so it's like he is he is growing into a first team player from Nowhere, basically.
1: Yeah, Joe. We, we discussed recently, and you know, we, we we talked about his performance against Liverpool. How he was great, but the the setup which Guardiola had had in playing with the tucking into midfield, while it wasn't Lewis's fault completely, it did leave um, City a little bit exposed to the kind of rampage in Nunes, who char- stormed down their wing twice and kind of led to Liverpool's goals. What? Did you notice like kind of an improvement in that regard against Leeds? Obviously, Leeds not as quite as dangerous as Liverpool. They do have some fast and dangerous attackers um, in their ranks, and you know they only, they only scored from a corner, so it must have been a bit better in that regard.
0: It it looked a bit more balanced, didn't it? Um, maybe the the slight changes in in personnel, or the, just the very fact that uh, a lot of those defenders played both games will have helped that, and the fact that Leeds were probably less likely to throw players forward on the break as as Liverpool were. But no, I, I, I agree with, with Simon. He's, he, he keeps getting thrown into these massive games. And if I'm being completely honest, I'm waiting for him to have a bad game and I'm waiting for maybe a good team to to find him out. But he's yet to do that. He's played against Liverpool, Chelsea, Leeds at Ellen Road. He's played two Champions League games. He's played at the New Camp in a friendly. His first first team experience was against Bayern Munich off the bench. He's looked at home in in all of them and he seems to be sort of growing into that role and the fact that Guardiola's talking about him as a fullback for the next decade and, and saying that essentially saying that at the moment he's he's ahead of maybe a, a less than fit Walker and, and Cancello because he fits that system so much. And he basically said that Lewis made City Tick against against Leeds because he made he did the dirty work basically in those sort of right back and defensive midfield areas that allowed others to go forward you rarely hear him say that about a young player you normally hear him sort of temper expectations but he's quite keen to to say how good rico lewis is so maybe at some point he will have a bad game of course he will do because he's only just turned 18 and i think Guardiola said that as well he said he, he is going to make mistakes but at the moment he's making far more positive impacts on games than he is making mistakes and if he keeps doing that and if, if Guardiola's stance is if you play well you keep the shirt then who's to say he won't start against Everton Well,
1: well you took the words out of my mouth there I was just going to say <laughs> I think Guardiola he, he... I think pretty much, you know, Haaland aside and De Browner aside and maybe Rodri, the midfielders and the forwards, it doesn't really matter how well they're doing, they can still just find themselves on the bench or nowhere, we've discussed how Grealish had really started to kind of find a groove of form earlier in the season and then suddenly he was just out for no real explanation and that kind of momentum shifted, but with defenders it does seem more as we've seen several times now that if you're playing well and you're not making any mistakes and you're Settled in the team, he won't change you. Even if someone you'd you'd think on paper is the better player, is sitting on the bench. We've seen it when Stones came in um, that season where Laporte was injured and just was excellent out of nowhere. But it looked like at one stage his city career might actually be kind of coming to an end. He kind of roared back with an absolute vengeance, kept his spot for uh, the majority of the season. Laporte couldn't get a look in. Likewise, we've seen it now where Akanji is in and um, I know Diaz is injured at the moment, but before the World Cup, he was kind of on the, the second-string defence, whereas it was Akanji and Ake and Stones who were all staying in the defence. So, side, do you reckon there is a chance, if this kind of stays, that there is? I, I do believe, like you're saying, uh, Guardiola is being cautious with Walker and Cancelo. This game, these games, as City are proving, they should be able to win And kind of without full strength, and with the Champions League starting again in a few weeks, you don't want to risk um, you know, the, the first-choice fullbacks already. But, is Lewis gonna become the first choice fullback? So if he keeps playing like this, as Joel says, and not putting a foot wrong, is there a chance he kind of usurps Walker and Cancelo or is that just a bit a bit too jumping ahead of the gun? But I do I do think, you know, as Joel says, Guardiola never heaped so much praise on the youngster before. Um never kind of thrown them into the deep end so consistently before we we talked about how Foden was nurtured for years before he had a real consistent run in the team. We've seen it with Palmer now, how he comes in and out and has
2: minutes that here and there. But with Lewis, he seems really enamoured. Yeah, he does. Um, I think it is, you know, a bit far to, to say he could become first choice anytime soon. But we're kind of in uncharted territory because Guardiola has always, 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 always gone for, like, experience over youth. And even now, Phil Foden is, uh, you know, fighting for, to to get in the team. It is different for defenders um, in that if you, you start, you start, um, and you play the majority of the game, whereas you know Cole Palmer probably has to make do with with minutes off the bench more. And like you say, Diaz came in when he signed and was undroppable. Akanji's done the same, and um, you know we, we kind of haven't touched on it that much. But João Cancelo has this reputation because he's a he's a premium fantasy league asset because he because he always plays and he sometimes gets golden assists. But it's been kind of I I can't remember too many good games that he's had in 2022. Um, I don't know if if that's a controversial opinion, but well, yeah.
1: Well, he certainly didn't have a good World Cup, did he? I mean, he was lost his place to Diogo Dallo um, from United before um, Dallo got injured, and he came back in, and then they lost to uh, Morocco, of course. Like Joe, well, where do you stand on Casello? I, I, I do think there's like I think Sai's right. I think the kind of the outside opinion. People who perhaps don't pay too much attention to City just see the assist, see the odd goal. See he's a good, as you say, good on the the old FPL team, um, and just presume you know see his FIFA rating or whatever and just presume he's brilliant. And he has been brilliant. That's not kind of castles. So last season he was excellent, but this year maybe like a couple of others. I think we've talked quite a few times, Joe, about how the defence isn't quite as kind of resolute and solid as it was last year, just a little um, kind of tweaks to the team that Guardiola's made. And perhaps Cancelo's been a bit of a sufferer of that and is just uh, in a bit of a
0: dip in form at the moment. I think you're right that he's clearly not a bad player and he's very, very important to City. And he sort of pioneered, along with Guardiola, that inverted fullback role. But also... I'm struggling to think of to answer size question has he had a good game a, a very good game recently I can't think of many off the top of my head I know he's got a fair few assists and a few really good goals but to be a fullback you need to to defend as well um I think he's I don't think he's the best right back I think Walker if there's ever a choice between the two Walker will get the nod there he's only at left back because city don't have any other left backs he does a very good job there but you probably if Guardiola was building a a perfect team and money was no object and and all that, I I, I don't think Cancelo would be his his preferred left-back. I think he would like a a natural left-footed player. Um, But, yeah, I I can see why we're talking about this, but I don't think Rico Lewis solves that problem. If if Cancelo might not be having the best time, then Lewis only adds another option on the right. It still leaves an option open for the left. But I, I think what Guardiola has always wanted is that players react to different challenges. So if Lewis is offering a different challenge to Cancelo and saying you probably, you might get fewer minutes on the right, then it's up to Cancelo to react and say, right, I'm either going to challenge Lewis and knock him back down to third choice at right back or make left back truly his own. And it'll be interesting to see how he reacts to that. But um, yeah, it might be one to sort of start thinking because like you say, it's, it, it feels a bit blasphemous to say, Gio Cancelo hasn't been very good because he probably has been fairly good but you need to be better than fairly good really in a, in a City team, don't you? You need to be consistent every game and otherwise you're going to lose your place because there's a lot of people coming for it. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
1: Well, one player who's certainly kind of got a challenge to face. Si, is Calvin Phillips? He was on the bench here, unsurprisingly, <laughs> um, given Guardiola said he wouldn't be fit. But um, he came in for quite a harangue um, in the kind of embargo section before this game um, from Guardiola's press conference, where he, you know, publicly just said he was overweight coming back from the World Cup and was unfit, and that's why he didn't play against Liverpool. Now, being overweight. To, to to for a footballer and for you and me is quite different. It's overweight for Phillips, it's likely just to be a pound or two, and it'll be burned off within a matter of um, days, if not hours. So I'm, you know, I don't, I'm, I don't think. Well, I certainly can't be here calling anyone for being overweight. That's for absolute sure. But it just seems weird for Guardiola to kind of do that. Um, I think to me a bit so publicly. You know, he could easily have just said. He's ill, or he's not in the best condition coming back. And I think even I think Joe touched upon him, the best condition thing. He's kind of said that to Mahrez, um earlier in the season. It's not, it's nothing that has not said before. But that kind of hides, uh, you know. It, it, it kind of it's, it sends the message about being so kind of brutal about it. I think. But to say the overweight thing publicly, it made him quite an obvious target for certainly supporters. Didn't he? I think we all heard the chants coming from the Ellen Road for their um, their old hero. Um, a bit of a weird one, and yeah, Phillips finds himself in a
2: bit of a peculiar situation now. Are you are you suggesting that Guardiola might not always tell us the full truth?
1: <laughs> well, that's certainly uh, certainly <laughs> not something I'd like to suggest.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is more interesting that Guardiola said it in a press conference than the fact that he was overweight. Um, of, of course, um, you know the manager's a stickler for keeping your fitness and he, he probably gives his players a, a longer leash than most managers uh, while they do have time off, but expects them to to turn up. Um, you do kind of wonder about a year ago when um, Foden and Grealish turned up for training in not the best state and Guardiola publicly said that's why they're on the bench, you know, didn't make any bones about it. And I'm not sure if he even brought it up unprompted, I can't remember. Um, And he's done this and, you know, that sent a message to everyone in the squad, right, we better behave ourselves over Christmas. And now he's done it with one of the nicest lads in the squad, um, Calvin Phillips. So it's tough for Phillips to take. And, you know, it's fortunate for him, I suppose, that he has such a great relationship with the Leeds fans that that everything was in good humour. And, you know, he he was properly loved back there in, in a way that, Grealish isn't at Villa, um, sadly. But, um, yeah, he, in a way, it, his, his job hasn't changed because he's still got to get rid of Rodri, who is very, very good. Um, he's also got to, I suppose, um, show he's better than than Rico Lewis in defensive midfield, <laughs> which is daft. But, you know, the, the good news for Phillips is that there are a ton of games coming up. You know, everyone's going to be needed. Um, to get through, and if he can, the, the the best thing he can do is stay fit. Because if he stays fit, he'll get games, and if he gets games, he can show, you know, how how good he is.
1: Mm-hmm. You you touched upon it, Joe, um, in last week's episode. Like, it, it seems brutal, and you know, marriage had to face it. It can be a you know, Maris has come on and uh, come on leaps and bounds the last few weeks, and really kind of started to show his form from last season. Now, even if it's not quite reflecting um, on the score sheets. Um, could this be kind of the uh, the kick up the rear end Phillips maybe needs? A, you know, a bit of a fire under the uh, um, under him just to kind of you know you you, you need to fight in. I mean, I know Phillips when he arrived at City, he knew that he, he was under no kind of illusions that he had to fight, and he wasn't the first choice with Rodri. But perhaps this you know Guardiola, as you kind of said earlier, is really challenged him now to to really fight for his place and get fit. And as and as Lewis is showing, and as others have shown, the like, if he plays, if he comes in and he's really good, he will keep his spots. So we only needs one game to to change the kind of complexion of the midfield that we
0: perhaps didn't see coming. And if if it was a challenge to to Phillips on what, when did they play the twenty second on the twenty eighth, he's he's back in the squad and and back on the bench. So he's clearly responded to that. He's clearly now at the correct weight of, of what Guardiola wants, and uh, it it seemed as though. It might have been water under the bridge afterwards. Afterwards, with his sort of uh, tongue-in-cheek answer um, in the post-match press conference, and yeah, if if Phillips has had that kick up the backside, as you say, then maybe it's a reminder that he needs. And who knows, with Guardiola, he, he can sometimes call out one player, and it's a message to someone else or a message to the whole squad. Um, and it, it could be that. And just like I said, uh, take your Christmas and New Year's seriously, and and, and we need all the players. In the best best condition um, as possible so um yeah if if that's something that phillips has needed he's probably not been in that many training sessions and due to his injuries so if he's needed sort of a, a public uh, dressing down and and motivation and he's now well, he's clearly responded to it because he's back in the squad. Then that could be something he needs. And I might have said it in the last podcast, but Riyad Maris had the same thing earlier in the season. He went; he was sort of in the doghouse a bit, playing all the cup games and uh, not in the Premier League, but playing the the Champions League dead rubbers and and those sort of games. But he's he slowly played his way back, and now he's he is playing in the Premier League, and he seems to be playing well. And he's he's got a good goal against Liverpool. He played a, a good tactical role against Leeds, and and that shows that it's not the end of his season by any stretch that he will be needed. There are games, there's cup games, there's uh, maybe league games that aren't as important, if you like, right next to to other games. It'll be needed for those and maybe that's that's what his season will look like for the rest of the campaign to play those sort of fringe games and then either end of the season, who knows, or next season, then he can play a, a real part after a year of getting to know everything, how everything works on and off the pitch.
1: Someone who's enjoyed a much better start to life at City, um, a bit of an understatement. Than uh, Phillips is Mr. Erling Haaland. side uh, his goals there, uh, two at Elland Road, takes him to the fastest ever player to grab twenty goals in the Premier League. He's done that in just fourteen games, and um, he now has uh, twenty six in just 20 for City. I mean, not to get all football cliches, but I don't know if you can. Count not celebrating against the city you were born in. Um, I don't know if that quite flies. Even if you didn't play for them, I don't. I'm not. I'm not getting on board with that one. But other than that, um, he remains just an absolute freak of nature. Harry's as you as you kind of touched on, doesn't really do much in a match. But all of a sudden, decides it. It's clinical. Was probably helped a little bit by uh, Ian Meslier and at least one of the goals. But. He just doesn't stop scoring. Two games in now after the break, and already three to his name. And you'd you'd bet on it to get a, a lot
2: higher as the games roll on. Yeah, do you know what I was pleased with after the game? Harlan came out and said he should have had five, and Guardiola came out and said he, he he's not fully fit. Because if any of us had said he should have had five and he didn't look fully fit, we'd have been slaughtered, and it would have been <laughs> the agenda against Manchester City. Whereas uh, he didn't look fit. Um, you know, like Joe said, he barely ran. He sort of in fits and starts, but there was a lot of the time where he was sort of doing his best Lionel Messi impression. And um, like that, Ake clipped a ball over the top from in the first minute, and he just looked like he didn't know what was going on. Um, it was it was strange, but he is so good that he scores even when he doesn't. You know, he's, he's not fully fit, and and that is something that say Grealish needs to. Start doing like you know, he got two assists having not played well. He needs to st- start doing things like that because then you're automatically protected from criticism. Because if Harland hadn't scored, we'd have said, Oh, a leggy display, and um, you know, City so need to you need him to step up and whatever. Whereas instead, we're like, Oh, record breaking again, scores all the goals, and and you know, he, he is a goal machine, even. Even if he didn't have any legs, he'd be a goal machine. So, mm. it's it's just such a weapon for City to have that they can just roll him out. Oh, yeah, he scored two goals again, having done little else. Um, so, it, oh, the numbers are just scary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, twen- 20 goals, 20 league goals in 14 already. games. It's, mm-hmm. it's a joke, uh, it's a joke. <laughs> yeah, it is. But- it is. Yeah.
1: But is, is the fitness thing a concern at this point, Sai? Because I know he's still scored in the minute, but I, I thought after the Liverpool game, I thought he looked quite sharp. Um, we'll talk about his two games in a row where he's had a chance in like the opening seconds. But I, I thought he's looked... In the Liverpool game, I should say, I thought he looked quite sharp there. Um, maybe not involved, but that's kind of what we've come to get used to. He just kind of... He, he, burst into life when the ball's in the box or he gets played through. But, you know, you were there, you've seen him in kind of action against Leeds. Uh, is it a bit of a worry that after six weeks off and recovering from that injury, he's not firing all cylinders? Or is it just a case of once the minutes
2: are under the belt a bit more and he's had a couple more games, he'll look, Rita's rain again. I mean, I'm, I'm quite willing for, for this to come back in my face, but I think that his scoring rate may slow down because his minutes may be managed more Um, City have got a pretty horrendous January and a pretty horrendous February and when he came with his injury issues, nobody expected him to start every game for City and the way the fixtures kind of worked um, he he did for like the first 12 or 14 games or something of the season and it was like everything went for him, Um, you know, even like you thought, oh, this game might be time for a rest and then it's like, oh, the Queen's died, all the fixtures have been postponed, moved on um like everything on and off the pitch just went in its favour. So um, those games are now January and February. And, you know, I think we may see more of um, Mr. Alvarez when he comes back and City's uh, other array of attacking talent. So on that basis, I think fewer minutes may mean he scores fewer goals. But who knows, because he is a ridiculous footballer.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Joe, it's certainly more important that he's available for the more important games and the the bigger games the games that are going to be more Kind of tightly contested, and they say, as Simon says, there's a there's a really kind of hectic fixture list coming up. So the better Elian Alvarez comes back, and I don't know if any of you seen the photo of Lissandro Martinez back in training yesterday, but he looked as rough as the uh, inside <laughs> of a badger. So he, maybe they'll take a couple of days of a detox, and who can blame them for the parties we were seeing over in Argentina? But yeah, the better Alvarez is back, um, the better for City.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and uh, he's shown in the World Cup that he, he can play that role through the middle. He can play it with Haaland or with a with a superstar striker or on his own. He can play out wide, which we've probably not seen him as much for City, but, um, I mean, he clearly can do it. He's just won the World Cup doing that for, for Argentina. So, no, I think that'll be very useful. And it, it was put to Guardiola a couple of times last night that Arsenal have four games, I think, scheduled in in January, they're not in the Carabao Cup anymore, so they might have five with the FA Cup, but uh, they only have three Premier League games. City have, I think, six or seven games now, could be another couple more if they get to the uh, Carabao Cup semi-finals. And and the fixtures are quite trickier as well um, for City, so they they will need to to manage Haaland. He won't be able to play all those games at at a high intensity. So yeah, Alvarez coming back could be a very good time and giving him that extra bit of rest could also help because if they brought him back the temptation would have been to play him against leeds and and everton because he's just won the world cup and he's in form but i think with alvarez as well he's he's one that will will probably have to be managed a bit because he's been playing pretty much all the way through for about 18 months he he didn't really get much of a a summer because the argentinian league went through the from january onwards he's been playing a lot of games and he's been sort of ready for City for a lot of those. Now he's just won the World Cup with Argentina. So now I, th- I think if they can sort of share the minutes between those two, Alvarez coming good in the World Cup has undoubtedly helped. That should should get City through those games, but there'll need to be lots of rotation throughout the team, won't there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. But it was a much needed win for City, side. It got them back up to five points off Arsenal, who, you know, me and Joe speculated on whether... Their momentum might have been halted if they'd struggle without Gabriel Jesus, but there were no signs of that against West Ham. Even when they went to goal down, there was never really any signs that they weren't going to win that game. And they went on to win it in style. And, of course, Jesus's replacement, Eddie Nketiah, getting one of the goals as well. Um, Bakayo Saka carrying on his excellent form. It, they, they really do look in great nick, uh, the Gunners, and it's, it's kind of heating up as a title race. And Newcastle as well. Only, only um, I, know, I think they've played the game more than the two of them, but they're certainly not—they're not, they're not uh, going anywhere either at the minute either.
2: Now, I mean, two astonishing things about Newcastle that I stumbled upon as I desperately scrambled to get back up to speed with things—they've um, got the best defense in the league. They've only conceded eleven goals this season, um, but City are responsible for three of them. So, well done, City, I suppose. Um but yeah, Newcastle looking good as, as you know, they've not got the the pedigree in recent history of sticking there. It's a very new team. Um I think they sort of, you know, very much got the chance of a top four battle. Um because there aren't kind of four outstanding teams in the league. But if I were Newcastle, I certainly wouldn't be setting my aspirations for a for a title challenge, and I think kind of Eddie Howe will will know that. Um you know Liverpool are still can't be discounted, despite you know their their problems in the first half of the season. But yeah, like the longer everyone keeps waiting for Arsenal to fall apart, and uh, and they're not. And uh, City were meant to play Arsenal in October, I think, and everyone was like, "Oh, it's a shame because it would have been a great uh, sort of you know top of the table clash." Whereas you know by the time the fixtures rearranged, it will be all over. Not looking like that at all. I think Arsenal are looking like you know they could take it all the way, or at least the final two months of the season. So um, it's it's exciting. It's always nice to have a fresh challenge at the top of the table. Um, and you know Arsenal are, are getting problems. You know, can they score without Gabriel Jesus? Any City fan would say yes, yes, you can. But they've shown that they they can. So that's another kind of hurdle achieved for this team and they're playing kind of without without the fear I guess the good thing about not being in title race in the past is that they're not I suppose they've not got any pressure of it whereas Liverpool always have this expectation and pressure of can you keep up with City can you keep up with City whereas Arsenal haven't got it and that they've played without pressure all season and and it's been great to see
1: yeah, absolutely, and you know, City are going to have to keep up and keep the pace because, as you've both touched on there, the, the fixture list comes hard and heavy. Um, going forward, we have one last game in 2022 before 2023 gets underway with um, two successive trips. Well, two successive matches with Chelsea, I should say. Um, a Carabao Cup quarter final against Southampton, a Manchester derby, um, Tottenham at home. Uh, Wolves at home and then Tottenham away at the start of February before uh, a trip to Arsenal on February 15th so the start of 2023 is going to be absolutely hectic Joe but as I said before that, one last game on New Year's Eve, 3 o'clock kickoff. off uh, Everton come to the Etihad and looking at how <laughs> Everton have continued to be absolutely rubbish um, after the restart they lost uh, to Julian Lopetegui's uh, newly adopted Wolves side on Boxing Day, a late winner for Wolves and Everton look to be going only one direction, so theoretically, City should be getting another three points there, which would be most welcome.
0: Yeah, I think we said this last time. City can't afford to look at teams like Everton and Leeds and and look at you know the possibility of slipping up. They've just got to, just got to keep winning because the fixtures are only going to get harder. And uh, yeah, Everton don't look great. The the defense looks very shaky, and City would expect to to win that relatively comfortably. And if they can do that and maybe take a few players off towards the end and, as we've been saying, maybe take Haaland off if 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 the opportunity presents itself. And I think that's what they'll be be looking at. It was interesting after the, the Leeds game that, going back to Arsenal a, a little bit, the mindset in the City sort of interviews, it seemed to be like we're ready to hunt down Arsenal and we need to put a run together because that's going to be our best chance. And if we're going to win the Premier League, it's going to be a 90-point job again because... Arsenal aren't going anywhere, and that seems to have changed a little bit from earlier in the season, where everyone was focusing on Liverpool and maybe the other big six teams, and and Guardiola kept having to say, "Well, you know, Arsenal are top of the league; they're they're the best at the moment." But they've, they've come back, and it, it seems like the message is Arsenal are ahead, they're five points, well, they were eight points before kickoff, and that's not going to be easy to chase. And it, I don't know whether that's City sort of putting the pressure on and saying go on then, let's see what you've got to Arsenal. Or it's it's sort of them saying to themselves, this is what we need to do and we need to do what we've done in the past, which is put a lot of wins together in a, in a short space of time. Now, I don't know if they can do that in January but just because of the way the fixtures fall. It's going to be very, very hard to put a lot of win, r- wins together. Um, but if they can go into January on the back of three wins against Liverpool, Leeds and uh, potentially Everton, that'll give them... A good chance of sort of taking that momentum uh, and potentially going on one of these runs. So I, I, I don't know but yeah, it's got to be three points against Everton. There's there's no point looking at a game like that and, and can't even contemplating a draw in the position that City are in.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So si, how do you see the game kind of shaking out and uh, what do you reckon Guardiola will go with with his starting 11? Do you see kind of a similar team once again here with Lewis in perhaps and Ake at left back and Grealish and Mara starting Gundogan, or does this know where he brings in the likes of Ford and Bernardo Cancelo and Walker?
2: Well, it's kind of a weird quirk of this City team under Guardiola that they they tend to be more up for like the bigger away tests like Ellen Road than they do um, a, a home game against Everton, I suppose, which might not have the the glamour. Uh, I mean, they you know they tend to win most games, but they they, they tend to be better away from home than. they are at the Etihad Um, and obviously they lost to Brentford last time out at the Etihad and were sort of thoroughly deserved to lose it was a poor performance so they need to up up the levels Um, that was kind of one of the surprises about playing you know Rico Lewis at at Leeds you sort of think if you were going to give him minutes you'd play one of your experienced pros at Ellen Road and then slip him in for a a home game uh, against a team lower down in the table but um, But no, such is such is Guardiola's way. Um, you would expect Walker and or Cancelo to come in. Um, the defenders will need rotating because, as the manager said, kind of earlier this season, they can't play every three days. So, um, there's you know plenty. I I think there will be plenty of changes. Um, Alvarez, I think is coming back after after this game, so won't be won't be available for it. But you know (laughs) we. You would think that Foden would come in, but I feel like we've said that for about the last two two to eight matches and he's not played and Mara's and Grealish have have played or Bernardo's played. So, yeah, it's going to be a a balancing act of getting those minutes and freshness and sort of sharpness back in those that have been at the World Cup. Uh, And, yeah, I think five or six changes. Um, And... Yeah, like Joe said it, it's it's a must win, really.
1: Can I get a score prediction off you?
2: Uh we'll go three nil. So Joe, what was your prediction, quick?
0: I
1: said. Three I'm pretty sure well. you angered the podcast gods by speaking when muted. <laughs> and that's yeah, why it went it kinda it kinda just blanked us and threw us out. But yeah, I'll go I'll go three nil to City as well. And with that everyone before the podcast, you know, um, our, our lovely producer Sam finishes in 15 minutes and now has got to sort that out so sorry pal about that so we'll get we'll end things there and quickly get finished thank you everyone for listening to the Talking City podcast we'll of course be back next week to discuss the Leeds United game um, not Leeds United the Everton game and then look forward to um, the coming matches in January and of course the transfer window I don't think it'll be very busy for City but you know, you got to talk about it for the clicks anyway, don't you? We're not stupid. We're not stupid. But thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank you, everyone, for listening throughout for 2023 since uh, the Talking City podcast came back to your ears. We'll be going strong again next year. I know I just said the wrong year. It's all gone absolutely uh, peak-tongue at this stage. So I'll just get gone. going. Thanks for listening. See you soon. bye back